0: left that place and came to his hometown. His disciples followed him, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were surprised. Where did this man get all of this? What's this wisdom he's been given? What about the powerful acts accomplished through him? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't he Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They were repulsed by him and fell into sin. And Jesus said to them, Prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns, among their relatives, and in their own households. He was unable to do any miracles there, except that he placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He was appalled by their disbelief. Then Jesus traveled through the surrounding villages teaching. He called for the twelve and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority over unclean spirits, and he instructed them to take nothing for the journey except a walking stick, no bread, no bags, and no money in their belts. He told them to wear sandals, but not to put on two shirts. He said, whatever house you enter, remain there until you leave that place. If a place does not welcome you in or listen to you, as you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a witness against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should change their hearts and lives. They cast out many demons, and they anointed many sick people with olive oil and healed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's gospel, we heard a passage that has two distinct stories. In the first, Jesus is going home to Nazareth. And in the second, Jesus is sending out the twelve to spread the good news to all who will hear it. At first glance, these seem unrelated. But digging deeper, we see the two stories intertwine each other and have very similar themes and lessons. As we go home with Jesus and his disciples, we remember that just before this, throughout Mark so far, Jesus was out in the community performing miracles. He had just healed some pretty sick folks back in chapter 5. He had made the woman who had been sick for 12 years well, and he brought Jairus' daughter back to life. He calmed the storm on the water that terrified the disciples. He exercised demons, and he healed others along the way. These were big, loud proclamations of faith. And we heard that those who saw these miracles were astounded and in awe of what Jesus could do and the goodness that he brought to them and their families. These people were joyous and had deep faith in who he was. And so all this stands in stark contrast to what we see in the story this morning. Jesus is back home for a visit now. We don't know how long he's been gone or why exactly he came home, but you would think by now he might have a pretty big hometown fan base waiting for him after all the miracles he's performed. By now, maybe they would have changed the town sign to say home of Jesus, Savior of the world. But that's not what happens. The folks back home are not too sure about who he is, And what he says he can do. They don't have much faith in him yet. And so when he was in the synagogue teaching, those who were listening at first said, Wow, look at this guy. Listen, he knows so much. He's smart. These are great teachings. But that quickly changes, and they start to question who he is, what he's teaching. It sounds like a nightmare for anyone coming home. Here he is after this long trip, and the people in his hometown, are put off by his presence. It says they are offended by what he's saying. The red carpet's not rolled out, there's no parade, just townspeople who are reminding him exactly who he is, a carpenter, the son of Mary. He's just a normal guy. But Jesus seems unbothered and responds by saying, Prophets are honored everywhere except in their hometowns, among their relatives, and in their own households. He seems to have expected that they wouldn't believe him or have little faith. And apparently Jesus could not have even performed many miracles because of their stubbornness and lack of faith. Which seemed strange. Why wouldn't Jesus want to stay and keep working at changing these hearts? It's suggested by some scholars and commentaries that I was reading that unbelief made a miracle not so much impossible, but so much as much as being meaningless, so it wouldn't have mattered. It would have been futile. So, Jesus wasn't powerless to perform a miracle, but performing a miracle wouldn't have gotten down into the deep hearts of those listening, So, he moves on with his disciples, and he teaches elsewhere. He just brushes off their rejection and their stubbornness. But, if we've been paying attention so far, this is not the first time that Mark has told us how Jesus was rejected. And ultimately, we know it's going to happen at the end of the story, and the rejection to come for Jesus. But nevertheless, I think it's safe to say that people who—that or Jesus was probably a bit annoyed— at the people who knew him best and at what he came home to. These were the people who had known him the longest, most intimately. Some were even his family. They should have celebrated his return, but all he got was questioned about who he was and folks unwilling to believe that he was a prophet. He was the one that they were expecting and looking for, but he was too normal, they reminded him. He wasn't this larger-than-life figure. In their eyes, he was just the boy who had grown up in town and ran around the market when he was little. And I think this might be a familiar scene or feeling for some, if not all of you, this homecoming. It's an interesting experience to come home. I think a lot of times, we're not really sure what you're coming home to and your expectations might not be met. Depending upon how long you're gone, a lot of things could change. The people change. It's not the same place anymore. I know I've had this experience of coming home so many times. Of course, on school breaks, I came home. After I finished college, I came home. After I finished grad school, I came home. I think like I came home last year. And each time, there were challenges that I was met with. Each time, I realized that while I was always coming home to the same place that my parents had always lived and the same house I had grown up in, it was different. They were different and I was different for sure. Each time I came home, I was a stronger version of myself. I was always evolving and figuring out who I was as we do in our twenties. And each time I met someone at home that still had an old idea of who I was in their head. Each time I came back, I was at risk of shrinking back into the person that I was before. Not good or bad, but just not fully me anymore. Coming back to preach here at church feels a bit like this homecoming, trying to fit back in maybe. This place is really near and dear to me, and I owe a lot of my spiritual formation to people who were here over the years. Like Mark said, a lot of you have watched me grow up for a while, and you've been here since my family joined back when, we were, when I was going into middle school. And for that reason, I think I get a bit nervous preaching to you. But it's also my first time with a live, like, full audience. So there's that. (laughs) But still, today's gospel brought to light a lot of thoughts I have when I come back to this place and preach here for you all. I think about your expectations of me. I think about how I want to make you all proud of who I've become. I want to say the right words and preach a good message that speaks to at least someone— I want to stay true to what I want to preach as well, but also preach something that's challenging and challenges those who hear it in whatever way they need. And I know I trust God is active in all of this, and I know that I have a word to share. But sometimes I think we hold on to ideas about people and who we think they are, like those in Nazareth are doing in today's gospel, this prevents us from seeing the fullness of who they have grown into, and I think it also inhibits our own growth. Obviously, I'm not the same shy kid I was when I first came here, and what a good thing that is. I'm really proud of who I have become, we've all moved beyond the people we used to be and the ideas that people hold in their heads about who we are, and we have now grown into who God created us to be or at least still trying every day. And I think this is what's happening in the gospel as well. Those Jesus encountered in town are unable to see the fullness of who he is, a prophet, the prophet that they were waiting for. Those in Nazareth were blinded by their narrow viewpoints they had locked themselves into and were unable to see the fullness of what Jesus was doing and who he had grown into. Maybe they even had expectations that he would still be that carpenter they all knew. But he doesn't feed into their expectations, and he doesn't shrink to make himself smaller. He knows who he is. He has been out traveling, living into his calling and who he is meant to be. So for this reason, I think one of the lessons this morning in Mark's gospel is to stay true to who you are and the beautiful person that God knows you to be, to stay true to the work that you know is important and to trust yourself in doing it. You might come home and be wary to share who you are and who you have become since you went away. You might be confronted with people who are unhappy with who you are or question it. They can be stumbling blocks, but you'll also probably find a lot of support. I know that's been the case for me. But Jesus doesn't let the opposition sway him or convince him that he is someone different, and so neither should we. God cannot be convinced that we are not God's beloved children either. That identity is unmovable. We have a God that loves us big and sees us as good and valid and whole, and we are valued in and for ourselves. We have a God, too, who sends us out into the world to share that message with others— And we see this in the second part of the gospel. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. He tells them to pack light. This isn't a bring everything you think you might need just in case kind of deal. It's an instruction that I'm sure they questioned. I don't know about you, but I'm someone who likes to pack for a trip with lots of just in case items. I make lists and I pack a week ahead at least just in case. I like to be prepared for anything And I want others to know that I'm prepared for whatever happens, and I can keep them safe as well. I was usually told to par it down growing up, and I didn't need to bring so many shoes. So, hearing that the disciples are not meant to pack a full suitcase stresses me out. I couldn't do that. But, again, they are to pack light because they are to expect hospitality. So, it's okay that they don't have everything they need. Jesus tells them that they will find welcome, but they will also experience resistance and opposition just like they experienced in his hometown. So I should probably abandon some of my strict packing rules and trust that along the way what I need will also be provided because that's been proven to be true so far for me. Not everywhere has been the right place and I think we can all feel and know when we're not in the right place for us. But like the disciples, we can go on our way trusting that more will be provided down the road. It's that true risk of discipleship and following Jesus, but it's what we're called to be doing. Yes, we might feel responsible for a place or connected to a hometown. I definitely feel the same. I feel connected to a place. I haven't lived here in New Pal for years, but it's definitely obviously a part of me in some ways. And I think it's okay to feel this way, but those feelings of commitment and care towards those places shouldn't prevent us from the real task, which I think is going out just like the disciples do in the second half of the gospel. If our hometown rejects us, we can move on. We are called to be at home among strangers, trusting that welcome will follow. He knows that the people in his town are unable to believe at this moment, but the seeds have been sown. It's now time to go out and receive the hospitality that is out there waiting for us if we just take the first step. And if we're not welcomed into a place, Jesus says to shake off the dust and move on. This meant something different than it does now, There were ideas back then about not bringing dust or soil back back into Israel that was considered dirty, but I hear now that we can brush it off and trust that there is another better fitting place for us out there waiting for us to discover. I hear that we are meant to move on because there will be another place that will accept us. We don't have to always do the work from within if we are unwelcome. I hear him saying that if someone is not ready to believe or is not receptive to it, then move on because we are seed planters. Called to plant, we don't necessarily have to see the entire plant grow. There are other planters and others who can tend to the growth. But we can trust that some of those seeds might grow into the tallest trees or the most beautiful flowers. We remember that some who heard Jesus in the gospel today were unable to see the full expansion of what he was doing and how vast the love of God is. But my hope is that we are able to broaden our viewpoints and allow space for people to be in our communities. I hope we also have hearts that are open to the task of going out leaving home, being brave, and trusting that just like the disciples, we will find welcome, nourishment, and hospitality abounding, and that we will always share the love of God in ways that remind people that God's love is always expanding, it's always accepting who we don't, and it's always assuring us that we too are wonderfully made. Amen.